Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. It is Wednesday, July 27th, and welcome to the Austie Podcast. My name is Liam Fabray, and it's just going to be me today. Mr. Cheyenne Amiri, he is traveling. He is traveling to Hawaii, the beautiful islands of Hawaii. I believe he's going to Oahu, and then he will be going to Maui. Um, so we'll see if he can join us on Friday for our last show of the week. But for now, He's on a plane as we speak, I believe, and so he cannot make it to this show. But that's fine. It's just going to be me and you today, and that's going to be that's going to be just fine. So you're noticing that these shows, the Austi Podcast, it's coming out early in the morning. Comes out around 5 a.m. in the morning. Now the reason why I do that is because we want Austi to be your destination for news. We want you to get your news through the Austi Podcast. It's one of the reasons why we are doing it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday instead of the Tuesday, Thursday routine that we did with Watch This. So we really want you to get your news from us. And I really believe that if you listen to the Austi Podcast Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're going to get all the news that you need to know. Um, I look through a lot of news to do this show. When I do my planning for the episode, I look at literally all of the news. I look up breaking news. I go to Google News. I see what everybody's talking about. I look at Fox, CNBC, CNN. I look at the biggest ones and I decide, okay, what are really the biggest stories that people need to know? Because you need to understand when you go online and you look at news, what they're trying to do is to get you to click on it, right? They're looking for the clicks. So you look at these stories and sometimes you think, wow, that's a big headline. You click on it and you realize, no, there's no story here. They just want you to click on it. They're just looking for the clicks. This is how they make money. So me, what I do is I sift through all of that for you. And then I bring you the biggest stories that you need to know, the ones that are actually going to affect you. And then I'll throw in some fun stories that you don't really need to know, but they're kind of interesting. And you know what? I have a lot of those for you today. The news today is like split between boring, stories that I need to tell you about because they're actually kind of interesting and you should know about them. And if people are talking about them, I want you to know what to say about it. And I want you to know that it's going on. And then there's just some fun stories that we're going to throw in there. So we keep this interesting. Now, I remind you, this is a 30 minute show. It comes out at 5 a.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And that way, you know, even if you're getting up early for your commute, that show will be there for you. And just so you know, we do record the show the night before, but we record it really, really late. We record it past 11 p.m. And that way we know all all the news that has come out. Rarely do you see news come out between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. So we'll have all the stories that you need to know as you're waking up, as you're going in for your commute, or if you want to listen to it later in the day, hey, that's up to you, but it is there if you need it. All right, so let's jump right in to the news. So the biggest news um, of the day that I've seen so far is it says Russia will quit the International Space Station after 2024. So reading from CNN, Russia says it is planning to pull out of the International Space Station and end its decades-long partnership with NASA at the orbiting outpost according to newly appointed head of Russia Space Agency. Uh, so the chief told Russian President Vladimir Putin that the decision to leave this station after 2024 has been made. It says, quote, you know that we're working within the framework of international cooperation at the International Space Station. Undoubtedly, we will fulfill all of our obligations to our partners, but the decision to leave the station after 2024 has been made, Borisov told Putin in the Kremlin-issued readout. NASA said in February it intends to keep operating the International Space Station until the end of 2030, after which the ISS will be deorbited and crashed into a remote part of the Pacific Ocean. Commercially operated space platforms would replace the ISS as a venue for collaboration and scientific research. So basically what the Russians are saying here is, hey, we're pulling out of the ISS. We don't want to be part of the International Space Station until or 
sorry, excuse me, after 2024. Until then, we will obviously uh, keep all of our obligations to our partners. Uh, so, you know, the United States, Canada, I believe Japan, I think China goes to the International Space Station as well. So you have all these countries that are going to the ISS, and it's kind of a cool thing that all the countries do together. We all go into space at the ISS, but Russia is saying after 2024, we're done. Now, the important piece of information that's here uh, and I'll read it one more time. They are planning after 2020-30 to commercially operate space station in low or excuse me. We are planning to transition after 2030 to commercially operated space stations in low orbit Earth. So what they're going to do is they're going to crash the International Space Station um, after 2030. They're going to put an end to it, after which the ISS would be deorbited, crashed into a remote part of the Pacific Ocean, and commercial operated space platforms are going to replace it. So you're actually going to have private companies that are going to start to set up space travel, and they're going to have their own space station in the orbit that they're going to pay for with private dollars and it's no longer going to be these countries coming together and paying for it and splitting the bill and having this thing up in space so it's no longer going to be associated with countries it's going to be private companies and russia is saying well you know what since you guys are going to crash it in 2030 we're going to pull out right now now this is kind of hard because it's kind of like it's kind of like you and your friends get like uh, a place up north you're like hey let's get a lake house together we'll split it and you guys sign a lease for like the next three years and you're like yeah after that you know we don't want to have the lake house anymore we're all going to be moving away and then you have one person go well actually i'd like to pull out now and then you have another well actually i'd like to leave now well guess what somebody's going to get stuck with this lake house and they're the ones that are going to have to maintain it and clean it and uh somebody's going to get stuck with the international space station but that's kind of what people expect from the united states people always expect that the united states is the one that's going to pay they're the ones that are going to protect us they're the ones that are going to foot the bill everybody else can kind of do whatever they want uh the united states has that i guess because they're the global superpower okay so boring story that was the russia one kind of interesting but i guess not uh your average uh, spicy news. So let's move into a more fun story now. Uh, so Leave It to Beaver, well, okay, more fun story. Do you guys know the show Leave It to Beaver? This is a show that was really popular in the 1950s. So what happened is I was looking at news this morning on my phone and I saw that the Leave It to Beaver star, the kid, had died at the age of 77. I was like, oh, that's kind of sad. The Leave It to Beaver star died. Turns out he's still alive. So let's read this story. Leave It to Beaver star Tony Dow is still alive despite a death announcement posted on his official Facebook page Tuesday morning. Dow's management said his wife, Lauren Skullkind, believed her husband was dead and passed that message on to his team, according to an updated Facebook post on Tuesday afternoon. She is reportedly distraught over the error. This morning, Tony's wife, Lauren, who was very distraught, had notified us that Tony had passed away and asked that we notify all of his fans. As we are sure you can understand, this has been a very trying time for her. An updated announcement read, We have since relieved, received a call from Tony's daughter-in-law saying that while Tony is not doing well, he has not passed away. Tony's son Christopher and his daughter-in-law Melissa have also been by his side comforting him and will keep you posted. So this woman thought that her husband was dead rushed to tell his team to go post about it on Facebook. They did. They like released this announcement that he was dead. And turns out the guy was alive. He was fine. Apparently, he's not doing very well, but he's alive. He's not dead. So that's kind of a, an interesting story. I feel like before I would let my husband's press team know that somebody was dead, I feel like I would make sure that he was actually dead. He must have not been uh, looking very good when she found him. But um, Nevertheless, okay, here's another uh, interesting story. Sometimes we'll have two fun ones back in a row. So Florida man arrested on DUI charge after driving scooter into Walmart shelves, police say. This is out of Melbourne, Florida. A 39-year-old man was arrested on allegations of driving a motorized scooter while drunk and crashing into several shelves 
Sunday at Walmart in Melbourne, Florida. According to Melbourne police, the man was driving a Walmart scooter and had his bag open sitting in the back scooter where he had an open bottle of Smirnoff vodka that could be seen. Police say the man was swaying in the scooter and running into shelves and he nearly struck another customer. Police said the man had glassy eyes and smelled like alcohol. The scooter was scooter driver was unrepo- unresponsive when he was asked to show his ID and had been taken to a patrol vehicle on a stretcher, police say. The man refused a breath test when he was taken into custody, according to police. The man was booked into the Brevard County Jail on charges of DUI, refusal with prior citation, disorderly intoxication, and possession of an open container. So did you know you could get a DUI if you drove one of those Walmart scooters drunk? Well, it turns out that uh, you can. So sort of an interesting story out of Florida, and we're not surprised that uh, it's coming out of Florida. All right, let's move to a more serious story. Now, this is one that we heard about a couple of weeks ago, especially when uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. We heard about this uh, 10-year-old child who was in the state of Ohio who was raped by a man several times who ended up getting pregnant, and this 10-year-old girl had to travel to her neighboring state of Indiana to actually get her abortion. And this is a story that was told many times. It was used as an example of why abortion is necessary. You had even President Joe Biden mention this story about this uh, girl who had to get an abortion. And we're seeing a story now from the New York Post today saying that an Indiana doctor who gave the abortion to this 10-year-old says she's felt threatened since the story broke. And that's obviously... Um, terrible that anybody feels that way, let alone a doctor who performed this abortion on this child. So the Indiana doctor who performed an abortion on a 10-year-old rape victim from Ohio says she has felt threatened over the many critics who have doubted the national headline story. So apparently, and this is something when it came out, you had a lot of people on the right saying, oh, this is fake news. This is not a true story. There's no 10-year-old girl that was raped. This never happened. And um, obviously, it turns out that it did happen. Speaking on CBS Evening News, Dr. Caitlin Bernard and OBGYN challenged those who questioned the veracity of the case to come spend a day in her clinic to witness the difficult situations many women have found themselves in that require abortions. The 10-year-old girl's case, she crossed state lines from Ohio where the abortions are restricted to terminate the pregnancy in Indiana on June 30th. She was six weeks and three days pregnant, making it too late for her to receive an abortion under Ohio's abortion law triggered by the Supreme Court Dobbs decision. President Joe Biden highlighted the case as proof the evils of anti-abortion legislation following the Supreme Court's decision to end the right of an abortion at the federal level with nearly 50 states after the landmark Roe versus Wade decision. And this, you know, this article, they show a picture of this monster who raped this 10-year-old girl from what we know at least twice. So she says, come spend a day in my clinic. Come see the care that we provide every single day, Bernard said to those who don't believe the girl's story in an interview. You know, the situations that people find themselves in, in need of abortion care, and some of the most difficult situations that you could imagine. And that's why we as physicians need to be able to provide care unhindered, that medical decisions need to be made between a physician and their patients. When asked if she felt threatened since the news of the appalling case broke, Bernard confirmed that she Yes, has felt threatened. All right, so this story is sort of an interesting one because it's one where even if you are on the side where you are against abortion, you hear a story like this of a 10-year-old child being raped several times by this man, Gerson Fuentes, and you say to yourself, should this 10-year-old be forced to bring this baby to term? It, It almost feels wrong when you think about it. Uh, And then you have people on the right that say, well, you're using this example. This is a fringe example. This isn't most of the abortions that go on. And, And honestly, both of those arguments are true. Now, the good news is, is that most Americans sort of agree on this issue. Most Americans believe that this 10-year-old should have the right to have an abortion. 
The real debate that comes to abortion in this country is really when you talk about the second and third trimesters. But most people believe that this 10-year-old girl who was raped uh, should have the right to have an abortion. We always hear about the exceptions of abortion in terms of rape and incest, and those are ones that most people agree with. Uh, but nevertheless, the reason I bring this story up is just because of the the hate that this doctor has been receiving. And, you know, there's no there's no need for that. But I would remind people that the people that are giving this doctor a hard time, the people that are hating on this doctor who performed this abortion on this 10-year-old, these are not these are not most Americans. The people who are hating on this woman and giving her trouble, these are not people who are well, in my opinion. Um, these are not your average Republican or the average pro-life person. They're not the ones giving this woman a hard time. All right, let's move over to Pennsylvania. SUNY Purchase, that is a college in Pennsylvania, and they have changed the dorm name uh, on their campus because students found it offensive. Now, you think I'm going to name something about race or something about um maybe indigenous people or something like that. But no, the dorm is called Big Hoss. That is the name of this dorm on campus that students had a problem with. So it said SUNY Purchase changed the name of one of his dorms this week after triggered students said it reminded them of prison. The word Big Hoss reminded them of prison. Now, I didn't really know what Big Hoss was when I started reading this story. So we'll talk about a little bit later what it means in just a few moments. The Westchester County College officially dropped the name Big Hoss from a freshman dorm and rebranded it with the more inclusive student-suggested name, Central. So it's going to be called Central now. In a vote uh, on Monday, in the past year or so, there were a few campus-wide conversations about changing the name to something without the historic implications or references, college spokesperson Betsy Aldridge told The Post. I'm looking at Betsy Aldridge right now. She looks like a university spokesperson. Um, the admission, the administration chose central out of several students suggestions because of its location on campus and its deeper meaning. So <clears throat> what does big Haas mean? So I looked this up on urban dictionary. I was looking at big Haas on Google. I literally couldn't find anything. I finally find this on urban dictionary, big Haas quote, a person with a big dick. That's all they have here. So now, but the college says that they chose it because of its implications to a prison. So I don't know, maybe is Big Hoss like the person in prison who uh, like takes advantage of you and they have they happen to have a big penis? I don't know. I don't know where the Big Hoss thing comes from. But nevertheless, the students were triggered by this. I can't. I mean, this is a story where it's like, I don't understand what's going on. Big Hoss, how is that? How is that triggering you? If you're, you know, my dad worked in a bank his whole life, and he used to say that when employees were having problems, when they were fighting or they were getting into, uh, do you know what this woman did? And then they would go complain to their managers and stuff. What my dad would say is he would say that you needed to fire somebody in the branch because if they have time to be arguing like this, they obviously have too much time on their hands. And I always thought that was really interesting. So if their employees are arguing and getting into little bickers and fights and over stupid things, and obviously if it's something major, then we're going to do something about it. But if it's just, oh, and then she told me this, and then she parked her car here, and then I told this, and then she went to lunch and she didn't tell me this. And really what that means is people have too much time on their hands. If they were really busy with their work, they wouldn't have time to get into these little bickers. And I sort of feel the same thing with this college dorm, Big Hoss, being changed because students are triggered by it. If students have time to be triggered by a college dorm name called Big Hoss, which apparently refers to like a big dick, then I think they have too much time on their hands. I would give the kids who complained more homework, more tests, more readings, and I think that would solve the problem. All right, so another cool story out of New York. This one is just nuts. You literally have to look it up just to believe it. Here's the title for you. Twerking girls host wild booze-fueled party on an NYC subway. 
I am not making this up. You guys should Google it so you can watch the video. This flashy twerk party on a New York City subway was off the rails. Uh, strangers struggled to hold on to their morals as a collection of volup- voluptuous vixens dressed in skimpy black bikinis jumped, gyrated, and jiggled during a makeshift pool party hosted inside an L-train car. So these women literally brought a slip and slide into the New York subway. I'm not making this up. And they went in there with water bottles and they poured water all over their slip and slide to make it wet. And then they disrobed. These women are wearing not only bikinis, these are G-string thongs. And they are twerking and dancing and slipping around um, in in this train car in New York City. It's unbelievable. What the fuck is going on here? Questioned a stunned spectator who saw the viral clip offering up lap dances. Okay, so these women are offering up lap dances and shots of liquor to subway passengers during a recent rush hour commute when the unnamed women weren't busy shaking their money makers while traveling and watching the film in awe. The party animals took turns hurling their bodies across a slip and slide that was stationed on the train's floor and lubricated with bottles of water. Um, the tempstress enjoyed the rest of their joyride by bouncing their bottoms on the crotches of male bystanders and twerking each other in an inflatable pool. Unsurprisingly, the outraged online onlookers couldn't believe their eyes. The most chaotic train ride ever tweeted somebody. Okay, so, I mean, this is nuts. It's literally nuts. But this is sort of what you get with the internet, right? This is obviously going to go viral. And you have people doing crazy things. If you want to go viral... Bring a slip and slide to a train and take your clothes off and start twerking on random people. That'll do it. That'll literally do it. And I think that is what's going on uh, in this case. All right. Now you're going to tell me, Liam, there's nothing better going on in the news today that you could be talking about. And literally, no, there, there is nothing else going on in the news. These are the stories that you need to know. All right. Let's shift gears into something more serious here. So teen set free despite video of him attacking cops explained why nyc crime is out of control so this is another video that you should look up look up um teen fights cop in the train it's really a a terrible terrible video Uh, it's unbelievable to watch so um so two officers stopped a teen after he allegedly jumped a turnstile prompting him to become verbally aggressive officials say when the officers went to arrest him he started punching and choking an officer igniting a brawl caught on video cops eventually hauled him in but sunday he was released back on the streets so this happened on saturday this kid jumped over the turnstiles there happened to be two new york city police officers that are there i'll let you know the kid is black and the two police officers are also black it's a man and a woman police officer Um, and so they're standing there, they see him jump over, they say, hey, get over here. He starts yelling at them, and so they try to arrest him, and this kid, this 16-year-old, starts fighting the cops, but man, when I say he's fighting these cops, he is really, really fighting them. He is, like, really, really, it's bad. He's choking, he's got this cop in a chokehold, he's swinging his fist at the cop's face, he's punching him, but, like, really punching this cop in the face, really punching him hard. He looks like he's fighting for his life. It's unbelievable to watch a video like this with a kid fighting somebody, I mean, anybody, let alone a New York City police officer. Now, I think there's a girl that's with this kid, and she seems to be, like, his girlfriend or something, and she's trying to, like, get the cops off of the kid as if the cops are the problem in this situation. And the female cop that's with this guy, 
I just want to say, watch the video. You can make your own judgment, but she is not really helping the cop in this situation. It's almost like she doesn't want to get physical with the kid, so she's not really getting involved. But meanwhile, her partner is getting just brutally beaten by this kid, and she doesn't seem to really help her partner. It's it's really hard to, to say that, but that literally seems like what it's going on here. And then halfway through, she decides that she's going to arrest the girl. Uh, instead of helping her fellow officer who's just getting destroyed by this kid. It's a terrible video, but what just adds insult to injury here, which makes this so much worse, is that this happened on Saturday, and by Sunday, they released this kid who had done this. So, I mean, that's just that's just disgusting, in my opinion. And to make it even worse, I'm going to keep making things worse here, it wasn't even his first brush with the law. The youngster was nabbed in April for carrying a loaded gun and only... Uh, days ago, a violent felony robbery. So literally a few days before this violent subway attack where he attacks his cop, he uh, committed a violent felony robbery and he was released both times on the gun charge last year and a couple days ago on this felony robbery. So it's unbelievable. Police union boss Pat Lynch fumed at the criminals, know that, that they can get away, they can choke a cop and beat him up and they can be back on the street in hours. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. If I were the head of the policemen's union, I would I would be sick over this. I would want my my officers not to go in. This is this is total disrespect to police officers who are putting their lives on the line. Why are cops even enforcing the law at this point? Why are they even trying to arrest this kid? Because what the government is saying to people is, you can beat the fucking shit out of this cop if he tries to arrest you. You can choke the shit out of him. You can punch the fucking shit out of his face and you will be back on the street tomorrow. Like, I'm sorry to swear, but this is so frustrating. And, and if you, you know, if you can't watch violence, don't watch the video. It's hard to watch. Like I said, this kid is really giving it to this cop. Um, and it's just terrible. So let's end on a little bit of a, a better uh, news story. So apparently there's this new trend in New York where you have uh, these nice apartment buildings in New York City that have um, these really cool pools and stuff, these luxury apartment buildings, and they're getting totally trashed. So the city's coolest pools are getting too hot to handle. There's been a heat wave in New York, so everybody's trying to get to the pools. On a recent scorcher of a Saturday, the rooftop and common area of One North Fourth, a luxury rental building in Williamsburg, was wall-to-wall -wall party animals bobbing and weaving to music so loud that it threatened to puncture eardrums. Uh, Kevin, 29, a resident in the building who works in real estate, had intended on having a nice pool day amid the recent heat wave, but he could barely find a chair, let alone a dip, toe in the water. The deck was covered in sweaty bodies and some that didn't seem to belong. It's not just residents, he said. It's people who know there's a pool and they just walk up. Kevin, who declined to give his last name, told the post. So you're looking at these pictures. It's crazy. There's all these people in the pool and apparently they're playing music and there's, uh, they're drinking alcohol. So, um... Yeah, he says it's a total free-for-all, and Kevin shells out $65 per month just to use the pool, plus the $4,750 a month he pays in rent for the building. The building is not cheap, he said. You pay a certain level of peace and quiet, and you can't even get that on a hot day. So, um, but that I'm, so, I'm not surprised by this. I live in an apartment building, and I see people have, like, family parties. You know, one person in the family is like, oh, we'll have the party at my pool. It's like, dude, it's not your pool. You live in this apartment building. You share it with everybody else. It doesn't mean that you can bring your family here, you and 12 other people, and then like have a pool party. And this happens all the time at my building. They bring pizza and they play music and there's kids running around. And it's like, dude, it's not, this is not what this pool is for. 
If everybody did that, it would be a complete disaster. But people, it's like we don't live in a society anymore. People have no respect for anybody else. People have no common sense. This is something that my dad would tell me like, Liam, you can't do that and you can't do that. But nobody has any voice in their head saying that anymore. People will do anything. Yeah, have it at my apartment. Yeah, bring drinks. Yeah, bring your speaker. Yeah, I'll have a fucking crazy pool party. And then meanwhile, me who pays crazy amounts of rent goes out there and I can't even find a spot. I'm not surprised this is happening in New York. It happens here in Miami and I bet it's happening all over the place. Now, what is going to be done about this? Literally nothing. There's a security guy in my building. It's one guy. He walks around. He sort of makes sure everything's okay. You think he's going to go start arguing with these stupid idiot loudmouths who are inviting their people over for a Saturday pool party? No, he's not going to do that. He's going to get laughed at. He's going to get spit on. He doesn't want to do. What's he going to do? Call the police? Have the police show up? That Honestly, that's what he should do. But what can people do? Punch the cop, choke the cop, and then they'll be out the next day. All right. I think I'm still upset about that story. Let's move into the topic. Now it's time for El Tema del Día, the topic of the day. <clears throat> okay, um, all right, so let's uh, let's chillax a little bit here. Still upset from that earlier story, and by people, man. People are upsetting me. So let's talk recession. So on Thursday, it's going to be the end of the second quarter. So we are, uh, and it's looking like we have negative GDP growth again. So that does that mean we are in a recession? Uh, how do you know that we're in a recession? So the definition of a recession, let's read here from Forbes, not necessarily a right-wing outlet. So during a recession, the economy struggles, people lose work, companies make fewer sales, and the country's overall economic output is in decline. Uh, the point where the economy falls into official recessions depends on this definition. Sorry, excuse me here. So in 1974, economist Julius Skinschist came up with a few rules of thumb to define a recession. The most popular was two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. Um, a healthy economy expands over time, so two quarters in a row of a contracting output suggests that there are serious underlying problems in the economy. So the definition of recession became common standard over the years. So that's where it comes from. It comes from this economist back in 1974, two negative quarters and two declining quarters of GDP growth. So it's GDP decline. It's not growth anymore. Um, so that's normally what you classify it as. So basically what you'd be saying is that Thursday we'd officially be in a recession because we do not have uh, positive GDP growth in this quarter. But what is happening is the White House is sort of changing the definition of a recession. Now, this is something that I had heard on a conservative podcast, and I wanted to look into it more for myself, but it, it seems like that's actually what's going on here. So um, this is reading from AP, and it seems like all the media is sort of shifting to try to backpedal that notion. So this is reading from AP. On Thursday, when the government estimates the gross domestic product for the April-June period, some economics think it may show that the economy shrank for the second straight quarter. That would meet a long-standing assumption for when a recession has begun. But economists say that that wouldn't mean the that the recession had started. During those same six months when the economy might have contracted, businesses and other employers added a 2.7 million jobs, more than were gained in any years before the pandemic. Wages are also rising at a healthy pace with many employees, employers still struggling to attract and retain workers. So what they're saying is, yeah, it's a recession based on that definition, but you know, we have so many jobs. There's so many jobs. We've, we've gained so many jobs, so we can't be in a recession. Well, that's not really, that's not really fair. You can't really do that. That's like if I had a basement and it was unfinished, it was all concrete and it flooded and I got down and I said, oh my God, there's a foot of water in my basement and I went and got a pump and I pumped it out and then I went and got some fans and I dried it 
and the next day everything was back to normal. It was really wasn't really that bad, right? I mean, I just drained it and I didn't have any carpeting or any walls or so it really wasn't that big big of a deal. And somebody's like, "Hey, so you, I hear you got flooded." Well, I mean, I got yeah, my house flooded. And you don't want to say my house flooded. I guess it did, but it didn't really flood because it wasn't that big of a deal. It's like, look, your house still flooded. We're still technically in a recession. You don't get to change the definition of a recession just because uh, you don't feel like it, I guess. But one thing and one of the reasons why I want to cover this story is because I literally Googled what is a recession. And the first thing that comes up is whitehouse.gov. So White House is obviously paying Google um, to have their thing come up first. And when you click on it, how do economists determine whether the economy is in a recession? What is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of failing real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Well, it kind of is, man. It kind of is. And it's sort of interesting that this is being posted now. This was posted on July 21st, uh, which is literally like a couple of days ago. So, you know... It's kind of it's kind of worrisome that this is coming out. And another reason why I want to point this out is because had any other administration done something like this, I mean, it would be bad news bears. Imagine if Donald Trump's economy was going into its second uh, quarter of 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 negative GDP growth, and out of nowhere the White House posted this article saying, "Well, that's not really what." you know, a recession is. It's not really how it works. It's actually not that bad. And, you know, people would be like, hey, man, like, this is bullshit. And it, it's sort of what it is. So the economy can be in a recession. It doesn't mean that, you know, a meteor is heading for Earth and that we're all going to die. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to lose their job and the economy is going to collapse. It doesn't. Nobody is saying any of that. But we are, on Thursday, technically going to be in a recession, right? Um, that's basically what we're looking at. And changing the definition doesn't really change that fact. It doesn't really make that any different, unfortunately, for everybody and unfortunately for the Biden administration. All right. Well, we've reached the end of our show today. Um, yeah, a lot of frustrating stories, in my opinion. It's, it's a crazy world, man. It's a crazy world. You see, look at what's going on out there. My grandmother, she, she wouldn't understand. And sometimes I don't understand. So what can you do? Well, just focus on yourself. Make the best of every day. Be with the people you love. Tell them you love them. And everything's going to be just fine. We'll see you on Friday. <laughs>